oftentimes, oftentimes when we have an experience of God's presence, forgive me there, often when we have an experience of God's presence like, like God just, he is with us right now, often what we do afterwards is we kind of withdraw and spread out a little bit to deal with it, to deal with the emotions, to deal with whatever God is loosing in us. And um, I want to invite you to not do that today. In fact, I want to invite you to do the exact opposite. If God is loosing things in you, and if you sense God near you, uh, we don't normally do this, and there's nothing special about me, but I want to ask you to actually grab a chair and come closer. And if, if God is, like, nudging you, if he's, if he's speaking to you, if there's emotions being stirred in you, um, if you need to go to the bathroom and cry for a second, or you need to pray some more, that's fine. But if you're ready for God's word to just encounter you, like, literally grab a chair, and let's just come close. Again, not that it's... I, I, God has a word for us today, I really believe, as we close up this, this series. And there's a way that we can just physically show, Lord, I'm ready to listen. Does that make some sense? So, like, go ahead and drag your chair forward so more people... There's something in, in doing practical, physical acts. It, it's more about that than it is... It, it's more about doing a practical act than it is being near the, the platform that makes some sense, okay? The Lord laid something on Stephanie's heart to share before we get into the sermon here. Um, I just have to testify um, how good God is. Um, a couple weeks ago, I got news that I was being laid off from JCPS. The budget cuts that happened um, affected me uh, because I don't have very much seniority with JCPS and so I was losing my job and like nada you know like bye see you later and um, and um, I mean I was sad but I know I knew God had me you know I was sad um, my husband he was already like from the first five minutes he was already on Indeed looking for some jobs for me <laughs> uh, and he found some <laughs> um, and, uh, but God is so good. And my heart, uh, I, I work at Fairdale High School. It's where I graduated from. And, and so there's a lot of reasons my heart is there. And um, I work with teenagers, which was what I love to do, what I was born to do. And, and um, so a few days go by, actually one day, and my boss says, okay, wait, wait. I've been fighting for you. Um, you. You don't get to come back to Fairdale, but you've got a job for a year at your same pay. I'm like, okay, Lord, okay. And uh, then a few days more go by, and he texts me, and he says, hey, I've got some good news. Call me. And he said, um, uh, not only do you get your job, uh, you, get, you have a job, but you get to stay at Fairdale and continue what you're doing. So I just want to testify that, that God is good. When you trust him, he works it all out. And it doesn't always look like we think it should. Now, this is how I wanted it to look, so amen that that happens too. But I just wanted to testify. He is a good God, and he has got us in his hands. So amen. So, of course, 
like when you start learning to preach, you know, you're preaching to the room. Um, everybody's invited. I'm talking to you today, okay? Because I just, in a different way, wrestled this week. In a different way. I don't even know what's all going on in, in your hearts. I don't know what's going on in your lives. But in a different way, wrestled with the text God gave, wrestled with pastoring this beautifully fragile church. Um, felt pain that was not my own this week. And maybe it was yours. And so I, I, we're just going to walk through the last I am today. Um, we, we view scripture as a lot of things. Today we're going to look at it as like our family book. Okay? This is our family book. Because when we look at our history and our culture, we have the bad habit of just thinking of my 40 years on this earth. And then maybe we think of our blood family. But we're invited into a much wider, much longer family. And so in our family book, God has some stuff to say to us, okay? And uh, as a whole room, let, let's all pray. And, and then we'll, we'll look at this text and we'll get to offering. And those things are really, really important. But this is more important, right? So uh, let's pray together. Jesus, you say that you're the vine and we're the branches. And apart from you, we can do nothing. And that also means that in you, we can do all that you've invited us to do. And that's a declarative statement that we claim today. You say that you are the light of the world. That's a declarative statement that we claim for this city, for this neighborhood, but for our own lives and our own families as well. Holy Spirit, you've already moved in this room, and I pray that, that I, I might hold these moments tender, that your spirit might continue to move, that you might loose us and free us, that we may see you more clearly. So next week, we're going to start a, a new series on the Ten Commandments, which will be exciting, I promise. Um, but really, we're looking at it as the, the, these are the, the, the commandments that God gives his people as they form a society, as they become a people. Here's how you live. And we're going to look at it in that light. And, and at the same time that that's happening, God gave his people some some festivals to go by, to live by, okay? So there's this one. I don't know if we know it well or not. It's called the Festival of the Booths or Festival of the Tabernacles. I put it up there because no one ever knows the word that I'm saying. <laughs> right? I'm learning. I'm learning. I would have lost you for 10 minutes. So this is, uh, this is a really cool festival. So this one happens at the harvest, and it's, it's celebrated in little tents, 
that are open on the top. And it's celebrated that way somewhat because in a harvest, that's what they would sleep as they're harvesting. They would sleep in, in these little tents and they would look up and see the stars. But it was also a remembrance back to when they lived in the desert. And they lived in these little tents. And for an entire generation, they would get up and move through the day and then they would put up their tent and they would look up at the stars. And at night, they would see this pillar of fire and during the day they'd see this pillar of clouds and every time they saw it they knew that God was with them and they were able to live real simply in these tents and I've camped like twice in my entire life and when I got over the fear of everything that was around me and then noticing that there was no pavement I realized there's some beauty in this when you're not in the city you can see stars and I kind of forget that last weekend I was in semi-rural Wisconsin where we lived for a long time. It's just a different kind of beautiful, different kind of slow. And so God invites his people every year to celebrate this tent, uh, festival of the booths. And uh, so how a family would do it, even if they lived in Jerusalem, even if they were in the city, they'd go to their little like slab out back and they'd put up a tent. Every family, this is what they would do. For a week, there was a tent up. At least they ate their meals in the tent. But most often, even the adults would sleep in the tents. And so for this one week every year, the whole family would have these big meals. And they'd fall asleep looking at the stars up through, through the top. Apparently it didn't rain much. And they would celebrate remembering how God had cared for them. And then looking at their present day. And then looking into the future at God's promise for them. In every festival, there was always this, this past, this present, and future. If you're missing any of that, we're missing what we're celebrating. And so God invites his, his people to celebrate this way. But it wasn't just camping on your, on your back slab. There also was some ceremony at the temple. And so there was this big party that would happen. And the high priest would take this golden pitcher. And I had to read this several times because I was like, no way did this really happen. But it happened. You take the golden pitcher from the temple and the people would all sing and dance and all the like nation would come behind the high priest and they'd go to the pool and dip the pitcher into the pool and bring the water back into the temple. And this was to remind them of in the past when they were in a desert that doesn't have water, that God provided water. And that today that God provides for their needs and in the future that God is unchanging. Pretty cool, right? Like an entire nation just like dancing around. But the best was at night. At night, they would gather in the court of women. And ironically, that's also where you, you paid like temple taxes, you know, because everybody can get in there. Everybody can pay, but not everybody can get into the like special places. But in the court of women where everybody could be at this one, one festival every year. That was the spot to be. So in the evening, there were these four giant lampstands. And they were golden and they were like just fancy, right? And they would light all of them. And so the whole court of women would be light. And these, these men who were trained all year would dance. And these people who were beautiful musicians would sing and play instruments 
all night long. And it was just this party, this massive festival of God's presence, of what God had done in the wilderness. And it's at that party, at that party, that Jesus says this words. And I know most of you don't believe me, so go read verse 20 on your own, because that's where it says it. But in verse 12, Jesus spoke to them. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It doesn't randomly say this, where they're like having coffee at a table, like, by the way, I'm the light of the world. It doesn't just randomly come up in some chaotic means. It's when the entire nation is celebrating that God was present through this light in the darkness that he says, hey, that's me. I am that light. Now, for us, we we have a weird relationship with with light because we just think it answers to us. There's a lot of biblical imagery that we just kind of, we miss, like, water and, and bread. And like, we, we just think we should have water. We're entitled to water. We should have bread. We should have these things. If we don't have light, change a light bulb, then we've got light. But in the time, like, light was a lot. You go to bed at night because it's dark. What else you can do? And you wake up and do all your work before it gets dark again. You've got just little candles and such. This light had great meaning. So really, what is it about? It's light represented truth. I mean, even when you get to Europe some way later, you talk about the European Enlightenment, right? That isn't really the Enlightenment. Jesus is the Enlightenment, the truth. It's not just truth that signified presence, like I said, the pillar of fire. When you saw this awesome pillar, I mean, imagine that, an entire nation could look out their tent and see a giant pillar of fire. That would be pretty intimidating to anybody who didn't know what it was. But to that nation, they know that's, that's my God. It means he hasn't left us. It means he's here. And it's not just truth and presence, but it's protection. You can see what's around. Scripture talks about this, right? Like light onto my path. Like this is how we see. And so Jesus says, I am the light, but of what? Of, of the world. Most of the people I talk to, including us, most of our conversations are how we're afraid that we're excluded. We're afraid that something that we did or something that we're born into or something that we think or some way that we're doing something wrong, we're on the outside. Most of our conversations, be honest. Most of the time what I say to somebody is, hey, you know what? If you're asking those questions, it's probably a good sign. That probably means God's at work in you. Because otherwise you wouldn't ask those questions. But most of the time we have learned to live as if the gospel or anything else is not for us. It's for somebody else. And here in the middle of a festival with these four giant golden lampstands, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So unless you're from Mars, you're included on that one, right? The light of the world. 
And John opens up. It says, the true light. Jesus is the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And we talked about this one uh, back in the Christmas time. He enlightens everyone. And we've got to deal with this phrase. Doesn't enlighten the serious, doesn't enlighten the moral, enlightens everyone. Back to when he's talking in John 8, he says, whoever follows me, whoever follows me. He doesn't put a bunch of conditions. doesn't say whoever follows me well. doesn't say whoever follows me for a really long time. It's just whoever follows me. They'll never walk in darkness, but they'll have the light of life. And this is where I was stuck for three days. Whoever follows me will not, never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I know that some of us look at our life and say, then why am I walking in darkness? Then why is it so hard? Am I wrong or did Jesus lie? Did he underestimate our enemy? I know it's at this point where we feel like it's dark and we just, we wonder if scripture even knows what it's talking about. Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about when he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so it's safe for us to just sit here for a second and talk about it for a second. So these celebrations of the, of the booths, of the tabernacle, this is the past, the present, the future. That's what the celebration is, right? So we're having our own. Pretend there's a tent over us. We got the outside elements anyway. That's, that's what we've got here. Here's what we need to realize, church. Remembering the past is a spiritual discipline. Remembering what God has done is a spiritual discipline. And I don't know that we know that. Remembering his faithfulness last week, or if you don't remember it from last week, last month, if you don't remember from last month, that, that moment where you first came to faith, or if even that's fuzzy, start reaching to our family book and remember God's faithfulness. It is a spiritual discipline. Because as soon as we forget that, we start to forget who we are. So think in your life, when has God been faithful? When's he been faithful? Think of the areas that you're nervous about right now. Maybe it's health. Feels like it's usually finances. Maybe it's family members. Whatever it is, think on that. And then take a second. Remember when he was faithful in that exact area in your life. Most of us can remember almost a date. This is why it's helpful to journal. This is why it's helpful to remind one another, to have people give testimony of, hey, here's God's faithfulness this week. Because if we are really a family, then we can remember what God's doing in our family. And then when you run into a job situation next month or next year or whenever, you can be like, oh, that's right. God took care of Stephanie, and she's my sister. And he said, whoever, and if she's included, I'm included. 
remembering what God does, remembering what he has done, is a spiritual discipline. So much so that God set dates on the calendar that that's what his people were supposed to do. I would actually argue that one of the main reasons we get together on Sundays is so that we see one another and we remember, oh, that's right, I remember when you were baptized. I'll never forget that day. My God is faithful. He's done so much since that day, but I will never forget that I know the person who taught me the meaning of whosoever was you, standing right there, proclaiming to the room. So there's no way that I can doubt his faithfulness today because I remember. Part of what this is, is remember. That I look and say, oh yeah, God's faithful. I heard stories. Oh, I heard stories. I know stories. I know what he's done. I know the healing that he's brought. I know the ways that he's moved and what he's brought us through. That's right, he was faithful then and he hasn't changed. And so I propose next week when we start a brand new series, we start to change our attitude towards church and realize that, oh, yeah, a big part of that is remembering that God is faithful. So not only am I going to worship, but I'm going to remember. And that's a piece of my worship. And if, if I'm doing okay today, then my job is to remind people. Maybe I'm remembering, but then my job is different. Then my job is for my sisters and my brothers to remind them. But no matter what, a big part of us gathering is the past, what God has done. And then there's the present, right? And that's where we are today. And my guess is that's why a lot of us came forward. It's because the present feels dark one way or another. The present feels heavy one way or another. I know when it's dark or when something's scary, my tendency is to close my eyes, which, by the way, if you close your eyes, it's only darker, and run, which I shouldn't run at any point, but definitely not with my eyes closed. But that's what I will do physically, and that's what I will do inside. So there was a point I was, I was working at a different church, and there was a staff meeting, and I'm sitting all relaxed, just course had coffee in my hand it's no big deal people are late I'm judging them and there's a there's a little vase next to me with some I don't I don't never understand what these things are they're like sticks that people paid for you know like dead things that are supposed to look pretty but they don't look pretty to a guy there's a vase of those a glass vase of expense sitting next to me and someone said what is that and I said I don't know I've been wondering for years no one will ever tell me what that is they said no what's in there I'm like, nothing's in there. Like, no, look. And something was in there. There was a bat in there. And I went from relaxed to running the other way into my office. I was shutting the door. Someone was trying to get in my office, and I didn't care that she was trying to get in. I shut the door on her. Cut her arm. You think I'm lying. You could call her. She's got a big scar, and, like, I was looking for bat marks, right? The bat was dead, but I didn't know that. Nobody emailed me that. But I was scared, so I run and do stupid things. When life feels dark, a lot of us run and do stupid things. We just do. So a lot of you know that I'm one of six people in the U.S. who like baseball still. 
I, I like it because of how I grew up. My grandfather and my dad would take us to go watch Twins games all the time. We went to like 30 games a year. And they just let me go because there was only like seven baseball fans, you know. So I just got to go wherever I wanted in the Metrodome. Hot dogs are a dollar. Here's two dollars. Go, go nuts. And they would say, if you get lost, why don't you just stay there? Just stay where you are. I'm going to come find you. They said, but if you go running around trying to find us, you're just going to get more lost. So wherever you are, when you realize you're lost, just stay there and look for me. That's what my dad said. That's what my grandpa said. Little Maddie got lost several times. First time, it was for like six innings. You know why? Because I was running everywhere. I was going and looking for old white people, and at a baseball game, there's a lot of them. (laughs) Then I finally listened. I'll never forget it. I was sitting at this corridor with this guy who wanted to take my ticket, but I didn't have my ticket because nobody trusted me with the ticket. And so I just stood there, and there came my grandfather smiling at me, walking up, doing exactly what he always said he would do. It just took a minute for me to trust him. In the present, if you feel like it's dark and you feel like you're lost, stop for a minute. Stay where you're at and open your eyes and watch your father walk to you. Watch him come to you. I'm not saying that it's not dark. I'm not. The last couple years, I've encountered more darkness than I knew existed. But there's something telling. No matter what degree of dark it is, when light comes, dark runs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how dark it is. You can be in the darkest room. If somebody cuts on a light, light wins every time. It's darkness that has to run. Now, I think we, a lot of us grew up in a way that that we didn't give darkness any credit because we thought that's what we were supposed to do. No, it's all good. And we're like dying. You know, we just lost a limb and we're like, no, I'm fine. Praise the Lord. And then we've kind of swung the other way. And it is appropriate for us to feel the darkness and notice it. It's okay for you to feel anxious or scared or afraid, any of those things. Read the Psalms if you don't believe me. It's okay to feel those things But I think we're at a point where we give darkness a whole lot of credit. And we act like darkness has the last word. And it really won't. And I'm saying this in the middle of my own dark seasons. Really won't. I have no hope, if it will. And I go past and read my family book, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Darkness doesn't win. And so what you're facing today this week, what those people that you love are facing, that darkness is real. But that darkness will not win because it only takes a spark. Real practically, particularly up here, you you might want to write this down. Read through Psalm 77 this week. David gives you like a permission slip on how to vent in the middle of darkness. And then, 
he says this, which is exactly what we've been talking about in verse 11. He says, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O Lord, is holy. Well, God is so great as our God. He reaches into the past and remembers, as an act of worship, remembers what God has done and then sits in the present and watches for the Lord to come. Our God is a God of rescue. We've read that over and over in this series. He rescues, he meets us. So I want to encourage us as a church, let's not adjust to the dark. Let's not be people who do that. I think we think the way to be loving and compassionate and and care for the community is just to, like, adjust to dark. That's not what scripture says. Let's not adjust to the dark. Let's surrender to the light. And just because you don't see the light does not mean that God is not near. It doesn't mean that he's lost. It doesn't mean he can't find you. Just sit still and watch for him. Okay? But then there's a promise of tomorrow. Because if we're just sitting in today, not real hopeful, right? But there's a promise of tomorrow. And this is where we place, we physically place our hope in the promises for tomorrow. Believing that this light of life is for you. That when he's at this festival with these lamps, that that light is for you. But it's not just for you. It's going to be through you. And I would argue when you feel like you are in the dark, most people around you, you are the light that they're looking for. You might not know that about yourself, but you could look at other people who you know that they feel they're in the dark, but you look at them and you're like, that person is one of my lights. That person is one of those beacons of hope that I look for, and they feel like they're only in dark because they don't see themselves. You know what I'm talking about? You know who I'm talking about? Okay, if you know who I'm talking about, write their, per- their name down or etch it in your mind and go tell them that's who they are to you. Because we also need to start speaking more life to one another. So if you know somebody who is a beacon of hope to you, who is a light constantly to you, tell them. Thank God for them and then actually tell them. Because they desperately need that. This week I did a really poor job of saying that to somebody who is that to me. I was reading something, and I thought, you know what? This, this reminds me of, it, it, it was Martin Brooks. I was reading a chapter in a book that just broke my heart as I thought of my friend, and I thought, my friend is more living into being a light in this place than this book can describe. And I sent him a text that was like a total bro version, like read a book, punching the arm, you know? But that's what I meant in my life. You are a beacon of hope. And I know it feels dark where you are. I don't know the depth, but I know it feels dark. But you radiate light. And that is Christ within you. We know this 
from Jesus' words. He says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. I doubt that they felt like it. And so often, if I don't feel like it, I want to run and hide, right? But then he says, a city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bush basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And that's our invitation. And the light coming off of you is real. And I know that that's true because I hear about it, because I hang out out there, and they tell me about you. Because I get calls from you about one another. That the light of Christ is in you and radiating off of you. And if you are in the dark, it, it, maybe just stand still and allow God to speak to you about what he's already doing within you and out of you. Now, I know I just read two verses, one that said that he is the light of the world and the other one that said that you are the light of the world. That is not God being confused. That is you being made in his image. And Christ is the light of the world who sent the Holy Spirit to live within you and me so we might radiate what he placed within us. And the reality is this world is both afraid of and accustomed to darkness. But may we be the light. And may we be it by first experiencing it ourselves, sitting still long enough, remembering what God has done, and then radiating it out to one another. I know it's dark. And the pastoral dad part of me wants to, like, take that away. I wish I could. And I don't know how, and I've racked my brain, and... Honestly, I've sinned to acting like it was my responsibility. But Jesus is exactly who he said he was. And so I say, yes, it's dark. And yes, situations are hard. But God is good. And that's not ignoring the hard. That's not ignoring the dark. That's just saying he trumps it all. He is bigger. He is bolder. Light beats dark every time. And so until we know that from experience, from daily living, until we know that, we're just going to sit still. And you need someone to sit next to you. I'm really good at sitting down. Not running, but sitting down. I'll sit still in it with you. But as a church, not just us up front, but as a church, may we remember who God has been. And if you, in, in further back, if you are in a spot where you're doing okay this morning, praise God. Don't feel bad about that one. Don't feel bad that you're in a space feeling God's nearness. But here's what I ask of you. Then remind the people in the front of God's faithfulness. Because next week the seats might change. Or next month the seats might change. Some of you might be like, well, next week I need to be up front because I should have been this week, but I was scared. Whatever it is, our task is to remind God of our faithfulness, not just through his word, but definitely through his word, but through our lives. Here is where God has been faithful in my life. Here's where I've seen him be faithful in your life. And I know you can't see it, but let me say it because you can't. 
And it's not because you're a horrible person that you can't see it. It's just sometimes our life is right here. And we need someone to remind us we are not the person we once were. Life is hard, but we're not that guy. Christ has changed us. Praise God. And it's not just remembering who God has been, but it's surrendering to who God is today. Okay, it feels dark, but I'm not running away. It feels dark, but I'm not giving in to fear. I'm not going to deny that I'm afraid, but I'm not giving in to fear. I'm going to open my eyes, though it's scary. And I'm going to just surrender and stand still and trust that my Father's going to find me. And it's not just remembering who God has been and surrendering to who God is today, but it's hope for all that he's promised. That he is the light of the world and the light of life. And honestly, it's not his cruelty or his lack of power. It is God's patience and kindness that the whole world doesn't know yet. He's just... He's given us a chance. He's given his kids a second to figure this out. May you be filled with the light of Christ. May you know that deep within you. May you know his truth. And may you know his presence today. And as soon as he's ready, may his light scatter the darkness. And his kingdom come and his will be done. The worship team's going to come up. Eventually, Jamal's going to figure out how to do announcements and offering. But before, if we need to pray, let's pray. If you need someone to remind you right now, okay, let's do it. If you need someone to help you surrender today, let's do it. If we need to have hope together, let's do it. And so if if you want to pray, uh, let's just, I don't even know how to do it because y'all are already right here. But let's just continue praying for one another. And Jamel's going to be over here. I'll be over here. Stephanie's over here. Like, let's, let's pray together. Kat's going to be over here. Let's pray together and, and savor this moment where God's presence is among us like a cloud by day and fire by night. Okay? Let's pray together. Jesus. I think of the joy it must have been as that priest went to the water with that golden pitcher remembering your faithfulness of bringing water to a dry and weary land. And I think of the joy and festivity it must have been in that court of women as the lampposts were lit and the dancing and the music and how darkness scattered out of that court. I pray that this room might be that court. Not that we would celebrate the lamppost, but that we would celebrate you, that you are the light of the world. So would you bring your light today? You help us to remember. Help us to sit still. Help us to hope that your kingdom might come and your will might be done right here in our lives, right here at 4th and Oak, just like it is in heaven.